0: You are listening to Matter of Theology, a podcast production that deals with church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We stand firm on the sufficiency of scripture, hitting every topic with an open Bible and the boldness to say things that others are afraid to. And now, here's the host of Matter of Theology, Chris Huff. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition, another episode of Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything, all of life, is a matter of theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production that stands for the sufficiency of Scripture and seeks to show how Scripture applies to everything we think, say, and do. My name is Chris. I am one of your hosts. We are grateful Beyond grateful that you have chosen to tune into uh, this episode, another edition of Matter of Theology. On behalf of my co host, Mr. Drew Vonita, the Christian Podcast Community, and the Bar Network, thank you for doing so. Thank you for tuning in. We are blessed uh, to have you listening along uh, with us on this episode. So, um, a few things uh, just before we get started um, as uh, as i said and i started out with on the last episode uh, the preferred translation of matter of theology is the legacy standard bible head on over to read.lsbible.org that's read.lsbible.org to get uh, to to read the lsb to read about the legacy standard bible um, if you've never heard of it or never read from it um, go check it out and then head on over to 316publishing.com uh, to get your physical copy of the Legacy Standard Bible they just came out with. Uh, As of the recording of this episode, they just came out with and released a five solas edition, uh, where the five solas are uh, stamped and imprinted on the spine of the Bible. Uh, of course, it's a, a edge line goatskin, very nice, very well made, made for a lifetime of of study uh, and or teaching. Um, so head on over there, pick up a copy. But they've also got Bibles ranging from seventeen ninety nine to for the hardcover and uh, thirty four ninety nine or thirty nine ninety nine, one of the two for the faux leather editions so whatever your budget is um there they have something for you so go check them out um And no, they are not sponsoring this episode. Um, We just love them and are thankful for them. Uh, I also want to commend to you. I've been talking about this the last few episodes. I want to commend to you um, this wonderful book that I am holding in my hands right now. It's entitled Meditation, A Christian on the Mount by Thomas Watson. It's edited uh, by our brother, Dustin Binge. Um, And uh, uh, Lord willing, I'm going to have Dustin on the podcast Uh, to do a Dead Guys Reader Society episode to talk about this book in particular after I finish it. Um, I have, as of the recording of this episode, I have three more chapters um, and they are uh, not very long, but if you have read Thomas Watson and or read this book, you understand that Watson doesn't waste any words and he packs a punch. So um, you can stop on one sentence and just kind of meditate, no pun intended, and chew on at um, chew on what, what he's saying and as it's uh, reflective of what the scriptures teach. So uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Just wanted to uh, commend those uh, couple of resources to you um, and let, let, let's, let's, let's dive in. Let's get into this um, and in getting into today's episode, um, I wanted to, to let you know that, that this is going to be um, the first in a series of episodes um, that we're going to be doing that I'm going to be doing. Um, I did talk to Drew today. Uh, as well, he's just got a lot going on right now, uh, but he's going to be jumping in on some of this also. Um, but this is the first of uh, in a series. I don't know how long the series is going to be. Um, and as 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 you have no doubt seen from the title <laughs> of the episode, uh, we're beginning um, the series on a series on the doctrine of sin, or what's known as um, harmardiology is that that, that's what that's known as um and so hang on one second i said sin and um my uh home pod and my computer thought i was talking to s-i-r-i if you have an apple device you understand what that is and sometimes how frustrating that can be when you you don't need that individual slash assistant to pop up uh especially when you're recording a podcast so anyway um so, so we're going to be getting into the, a study of man's fall and what sin is, how deeply sin infects and affects everything um, we think, say, and do, especially in our fallen state. Um, and then we're going to look at how to how to battle that. I mean, and and for those of you who have been listening to Matter of Theology for. Um, For for a little bit, a couple a few years or since the beginning, Um, you understand we've we've talked about sin. Um, We've talked about we've gone through uh, John Owens um, wondrous work on the mortification of sin. We've we've done multiple episodes on that and then revisited it again. Uh, When we started the Dead Guys Reader Society and talking about John Owen and and talking about this book, we've also talked about the doctrine of repentance um, by Thomas Watson. And um, because the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who have been saved by grace through faith, through the meritorious, completed and ongoing work of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures, to the glory of God alone. See what I did there? Five solas. um, This is something that we are to be marked by. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are, are, are to be marked by living a life bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Scripture says, uh, in the Synoptic Gospels, um, that our, our lives should be marked by repentance of sin. Um, we should be, and and Josh Loflis, who, um who is the co-host of the Reformatory Podcast, former co-host of Matter of Theology, um, uh, one of the things that that he talked about so so wonderfully when we did go through the mortification of sin um, uh, is, is that very topic of continual ongoing mortification, hacking a gag to pieces. Uh, Josh talked about that. Of course, that is also in reference to a, a wonderful sermon. If not, th- that's got to be one of my top five sermons by John MacArthur, hacking a gag to pieces. If you've never listened to that sermon, go listen to it. Um, I will do my best to remember uh, to put a link in the show notes. <laughs> I should probably make a note to do that. But, um, but, but we are to be marked by that. We are to be, um, um, daily doing that. And you may be wondering, okay, so, so Chris, you guys have done this. You've talked about sin. Um, uh, you talk about it a good bit. So why are we, why are we getting into this now? Um, Why are we going to take a deep dive into it? Why is it going to be a series? Well, a few things, uh, a few answers to those questions. Number one, the reason I'm going to split it up is because I want you to be able to digest And meditate and chew on the things that we talk about in each episode, Um, and there will be a specific topic that we hit on uh, in those episodes, and then we'll move on from that, and then we'll we'll end up wrapping up the series with um, with more of talking about mortification of sin, what that looks like, and we're going to get into into some details, Um, uh, living a life of of repentance, what is repentance, Uh, how do we repent, Um, uh, but 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 we need to that there needs to be some steps in the process before we get there. Now, as far as the timing of this, what has led to this um, is, you know, uh, first and foremost, let me say that my personal, the Bible reading that I've been doing this year and getting into that Matthew chapter three, um, when Jesus is talking about personal relationships and that, in fact, let me grab my Bible and open up here to Matthew chapter three. And uh, it, when Jesus is, um, is, is talking here. This is after, um, actually, no. You know what? No, it's not chapter three. Excuse me. I believe it is. Ch- I'm sorry. Not Matthew three, Matthew five sermon on the Mount. Hello. How did I get that one wrong? Um, so sermon on the Mount and it's in the section starting in verse 21, um, where Jesus is, uh, preaching about personal relationships and, um, and, um, and, 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 and he starts out by saying, you know, you've heard it said you shall not murder. Whoever murders shall be guilty before the court verse 22 but then i say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before um, uh, shall be guilty before the court and whoever says his uh, says to his brother raka uh, shall be guilty before the sanhedrin and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into hell and then he continues to go on this is of course the very famous passage when he talks about you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery Um, but i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her, with her in his heart. Um, and so I'm, I'm reading that and that, that's, that that stood out to me, right? And that stood out to me because of the things we've talked about, the doctrine of repentance, the mortification of sin. Um, but then, you know, I, I started just kind of thinking through and, and looking back through interactions since the inception of this podcast. And before that, to be honest, we continue um, to come across those who have an overly elevated view of man his attributes and abilities, and a wildly anemic view of God, his attributes and abilities. And especially when it comes to matters of salvation or soteriology. One of our first episodes, our first year, we did, um, uh, Drew, Nick, and myself, did an episode on the order, uh, the order salutis, the order of salvation, soteriology. Now, brothers and sisters, this must not be so. All of us who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ should have a high view of God and a low view of man according to the scriptures. That's what the scriptures teach. In order for us to know who we are, we must first know and study and attempt to grasp as much as our finite minds can who God is. And in light of that, and again, according to the Bible, I'm sorry, Andy Stanley, the Bible says so is good enough and a fantastic starting point for any person, whether they be an adult or a child, when it comes to matters of salvation and sanctification. Why Why do you... Um, there's so many who, who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who who have this high view of man and low view of God when it should be the opposite. All of us who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ should have the highest view of God possible and a low view of man according to the scriptures. You know, as of the recording of this episode today, Beth Moore, oh boy, Beth Moore gets on Twitter and goes off on Jonathan Edwards because she was rereading some uh, portions of sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, and so she's just going off and uh, on, on Edwards and, and, and this, this, Oh, I, was, I just felt so low. And so, so bad about good, good. That's a fantastic place to start. You must understand who you are in light of a holy God. You must understand that apart from the saving, meritorious, wondrous, grace-filled, merciful work of God through Jesus Christ applied by the Holy Spirit, that what Jonathan Edwards describes as a spider being dangled over the fire is true of all of us. We have to have the bad news before we have the good news. So you get people like like that who, who, my goodness, have this this, this disdain for anything that makes me feel bad. You know, I was listening to, uh, I mentioned this last time, uh, Grace To You is continuing to do this, uh, Grace To You Radio, the series on spiritual stability. And John MacArthur, um, this, this week, uh, um, this past week, go back and, and check it out, Seven Steps to Spiritual Stability is the name of the series. And he was talking about godly thinking. And I'm gonna paraphrase, I'm not quoting exactly, because I don't have the notes in front of me. But he he said that that it's no one stops to ask anymore if things are right and true. But what they will stop to ask is, how does this make me feel? Instead of, is it right and true? Feelings have become the new barometer Of truth. And brothers and sisters, this should not be the case. The Bible is the ultimate authority in all things that are true. The Bible is the ultimate authority um, for all things, period. The law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. So here's a question. Here's a question I started thinking about. Why do so many in the professing evangelical church demonstrate in word and in deed a high view of man and a low view of God instead of a high view of God and a low view of man? Well, first, they have an abysmal lack of biblical discernment. They either don't read their Bibles or... They read their Bibles, but they don't meditate on their Bibles. They read their Bibles to say, I read my Bible. They read their Bibles to get their spiritual fix and in, in some sort of superstitious um, superstitious and pragmatic way, ch- check it off and think, I'm good. My, my spiritual tank is full. I've read it, but they don't meditate on it. And when you don't meditate on it, that's the reason you don't have godly Christians. Listen to this quote by Thomas Watson, and it's a long one. Hang with me for a second, okay? Hang with me for a second. So here's here's Watson, quote, and this is entitled, by the way, in the book Meditation, A Christian on the Mount, page 74, just in case you're interested. Uh, Watson says this, this is entitled The Reason Why There Are So Few Godly Christians. And I didn't have this in my notes, but I pulled this up just because it, it fits with what we're talking about. Check this out, quote, it gives us a true account why there are so few godly Christians in the world, namely because there are so few meditating Christians. We have many who have Bible ears They are swift to hear, but slow to meditate. This duty, the duty of meditation, is grown almost out of fashion. People are so much in the shop that they are seldom on the mount with God. Where is the meditating Christian? Where is he who meditates on sin, hell, eternity, the recompense of reward, Who takes a prospect of heaven every day? Where is the meditating Christian? Is it to be lamented in our times that so many who go under the name of professors have banished godly discourse from their tables and meditation from their closets? Surely the hand of Joab is in this. Now I'm gonna pause there for a second. That's exactly what we see today. We see Christians who have Bible ears. They, they're swift to hear, but slow to meditate. They're slow to sit down and chew on, groan over, growl, and, and work out the, what they're reading in Scripture, understanding what the Bible means by what it says. That's important. Now, there, there's, there's another aspect of this as well. And Watson continues. He says, the devil is an enemy to meditation. He cares not how much people read and hear. He knows that meditation is a means to compose the heart and bring it into a gracious frame. Satan is content that you should be hearing and praying Christians just so long as you are not meditating Christians. He can stand your small shot provided you do not put in this bullet, period, close quote. (laughs) My man, Thomas Watson, choosing violence, as our dear sister Erin Coates would say. So getting back to this, there are so many professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who either don't read their Bibles or they don't know what the Bible says, and they don't understand what the Bible means by what it says because they don't meditate on it. Now, let me just be clear here, and I think everybody listening to the sound of my voice right now understands this. This is in no way, shape, or form an indictment on the Bible, okay? By the way, I just want to say this, but it's an indictment on us, myself included. It's an indictment on us as professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who should search the scriptures as the noble Bereans did in Acts 17, they didn't search the scriptures to understand how something would make them feel. They searched the scriptures to, to, to understand, is this the truth? Okay, now, second, and I'm still on point one, by, by the way, of why why we're getting into this now. Second, you know, why is it that um, that so many professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ do? They have this high view of man and a low view of God. Well, the second reason is they have professing shepherds in their church who outright don't believe In the inerrancy infallibility and most importantly the sufficiency of scripture or don't exposit the scriptures and deliver the king's message as a herald should They don't teach They don't teach the souls in their care How to how to read study meditate on and apply the scriptures teaching in and through their lives And or like andy stanley they outright say the bible says so is not a good starting point for adults this is not true. Now that brings us to the second reason why we're doing this today. So as of late, there have been a few brothers, uh, pastors who who, goodness gracious, I, I, all of us have benefited from in some way, shape or form recently, who have shown in word and indeed, weak understanding and or articulation of the doctrine of sin when describing desires, not deeds, but desires that lead to outward expressions of sin and have either inferred or flat out stated that to have the desire to sin is not a sin. Did you hear what I said? There are well-known, reformed even, Pastors out there recently who have stated that to have the desire to sin is not a sin unless unless that outward expression of that desire is manifested. That is not what scripture teaches. It's absolutely antithetical to what the Bible teaches concerning the indwelling sin of the believer And how the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to approach even the desire to sin. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a video that was shared with me exposing some of these men and their teaching using their own words. This is not hearsay. This is not, you know, someone who said, well, I heard so-and-so say this and no, 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 that like this video clearly shows these men stating and in one instance stating that you can be a homosexual in his church as long as you are not outwardly practicing that homosexual desire and be in good standing. That is not what the Bible teaches. Now, the short answer, the short answer to all of this is just to just to say, okay, no, that, that's wrong, and in order to kill sin, you must first find its root and snuff it out violently and completely. Um that would be the short answer and I could take you to Colossians 3 I could take you to James chapter 1 Um I could I could we we could read through uh Matthew chapter 5 here excuse me on personal relationships and what scripture, what Jesus says about sin and desire. We, and we will, we're going to look at the Greek, uh, what, what the Greek um, uh, language and the original language means, you know, evil desire, kakos epimuthia, epimuthio, like what that means. Um, we're going to get into that. So with the reason that I want to approach and, and deal with this topic in this way is because coupled with with um, w- with what has been said by by those very well known pastors and even in 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 the, in, in reformed circles. I'm also seeing a lot of questions, especially over the last couple of weeks, online in polls um, and in conversations, because of what the world teaches. You know, to have the desire to sin, to have the desire for these things, in and of itself, is not inherently bad. And and or you know these polls that you're seeing on Twitter and elsewhere, like okay, if uh, if if this situation happens and this person is involved, but they have this desire, but they don't act on the desire, is it sin? When does that desire? become a disqualifying desire um there's so many things so many areas we could go down so what i want to do is i want to unpack this i want to i want to unpack um Everything uh, starting with, and what we're going to do uh, in the next episode, we got a little bit more to get into in this one, but in the next episode, I want to look at the creation of man um, and what happened before the fall, and then what happened after the fall, and I want us to look at what scripture teaches about how truly pervasive and infective sin is. And and brothers and sisters, I, I, I think... I mean, one of the things that we we clearly see when we observe, um, even professing Christians in the Western evangelical culture, we see a very very weak doctrine of sin lived out in word and indeed, and, um, and 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 there are there are fantastic pastors out there that I know are expositing the text faithfully. Um, that, that are teaching about this and, and counseling in this way, according to the ministry of the word of God. Um, but I want to get into this. I want to open this up. Um, so, okay. Now that leads to number three, the third reason why now and why we're doing this. And, and, and this is one that I've, I've wrestled with, uh, saying out loud and, um, not not because i'm ashamed or uh or or because uh, i'm afraid of the consequences or anything like that but but just because it's a it's 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 drawing a very very distinct line but it needs to be drawn brothers and sisters there is a very there are excuse me there are very pervasive and very very deep infectious effects of armenian charismatic pragmatic, seeker-sensitive, over-sentimentalized and licentious theology that has and continues to prostitute the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. And the fruit manifesting from this infection spreads far and wide to where people don't christians professing believers in the lord jesus christ they do not understand how dangerous dangerous sin is my my, my fellow believers in the lord jesus christ there are two main enemies you and i face in this vapor of a life that we experience on this side of eternity And one of those enemies we possibly can face in the life to come. Now, remember, everyone made in the image of God will live forever somewhere after this earthly sin-tarnished shell has run its course. In our fallen state, the greatest enemy you and I have is God himself, The Bible tells us that this is the truth. Ephesians chapter one. And in verse one, we read this starting in verse one. I'm going to read Ephesians one, one through three, of course, out of the legacy standard Bible. Uh, The Bible says this, and you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all also formally conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's Ephesians 1 verses one through three now brothers and sisters i would implore you and admonish you to not read over those verses or skim over those verses or listen to them in a haphazard way ephesians chapter two well the book the letter paul's letter to the church at ephesus is the Reformed Christians, uh, one of the Reformed Christians' favorite letters in all of scripture, am I right? Yes, and Ephesians 2, that is our anthem, right? We have read that so much, so much, but stop and listen to this. Listen to and let it sink in. Meditate, chew on, groan over these words. Paul saying, and you, were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of the of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Uh, and, and this verse in particular, among whom we also formerly conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Where did the works of the flesh come from? The lusts doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind Ooh, I can't wait to get into that later episodes. Oh my goodness, I want to get into it now because it's the mind, brothers and sisters, the mind and what you think about God and what you think about the Bible and what you think about yourself, all of that plays a factor into this. And apart from Christ, your mind is hostile towards God. Your mind is hostile towards yourself. Your mind has made you an enemy of God. You were a child of wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. Paul's letter to the church of Colossae, Colossians chapter one and verse 21. And although you formally, you were formally, and although you were formerly alienated and enemies in mind and in evil deeds, enemies, enemies, Colossians 121, this is something the unbelieving world doesn't understand and or want to acknowledge is that they are at war with the creator of the universe. They have declared battle, we were there as well because of their sin, their fallen state, because of the desires of their flesh, the desires of the mind, they are right now alienated they are enemies in mind and deed against a holy powerful righteous and just god and they cannot win and they know it and apart from mm, Apart from the completed, saving, ongoing work of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins of the elect, you and I would be there as well. As Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Rome in chapter five, starting in verse one, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is this is Romans version of but God from Ephesians 2. In verse 6 Romans chapter 5 starting in verse 6 for and and again this is These verses are verses and passages that if you have been walking with the Lord for any given period of time, you have heard them or read them, but don't fly over them. Meditate on them. I know I keep using that word, but that is the word thus far this year. Meditate, slow down, think about these things paul and in and, in and, and, and philippians 4 right whatever what, whatever is good whatever is right whatever is pure dwell on these things think about them romans 5 verse 6 for while we were still weak at the right time christ died for the ungodly for one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare to even die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. We are saved by the wrath of God through Jesus Christ, who is God. Amen, somebody. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. It's Romans five. I started in verse one and then I skipped down to verse six and read through verse 10. Man, that said, brothers and sisters, the aim of this episode, as with all of our episodes will be directed at the professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our heart and it's our prayer that these episodes, um, while informative and educational, they will admonish each of us, myself included, to understand that for the believer, number one, through the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God we've been reconciled to God through the death of his son that we have been justified by his blood we have been saved from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ we've been justified by faith alone we have been given and shown uh, grace through God through Jesus Christ to God therefore God is no longer the greatest enemy we face okay we must understand that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, for all of the talk right now that's out there about obeying God and defying tyrants, hear me, the greatest tyrant and the greatest enemy you and I face on this side of eternity, we need to understand how to effectively do battle against that enemy and against that tyrant, this enemy, this tyrant that we face is mischievous and crafty and slick and pride-filled, trained and violent. This tyrant and this enemy, the greatest tyrant, the greatest enemy that you and I face is not governments, is not earthly rulers, and it's not earthly authorities. It's not terrorists, either foreign or domestic The greatest enemy, the greatest tyrant, the greatest terrorist that the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ will face every moment of every day until the Lord returns or calls us home is us and our own sin and flesh. If you really want to defy tyrants and you really want to defeat your greatest enemy, you must understand where this enemy comes from. I must understand where this enemy comes from, what drives this enemy, what this enemy feasts upon. And once we do, we must be equipped and hear me. We must be prepared to go to level 10 on a violent scale when it comes to battle. And we must take no quarter. That means no prisoners in this battle. And that starts with you. And that starts with me. And it starts with meditating on and understanding the heinousness and the curse that is our own flesh and sin. So brothers and sisters, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get into the doctrine of sin. We're going to understand, our goal is to understand where sin comes from, to understand how deep this infection goes, to study it according to the scriptures so that we can be equipped to go to battle and to do war and to hack that sin to pieces every single moment of every single day because that's our duty, that's our call, that's our command, and if we love Jesus, that should be our desire. Think of Paul in Romans seven, I do what I don't wanna do, I don't do what I wanna do. We have to train our minds for action and then execute accordingly. So, hope you're ready. Uh, Thank you for (laughs) listening to me rant a little bit. Um, I just wanted to lay some groundwork in part one, uh, or an introduction, I guess, an introduction uh, to the doctrine of sin, I guess, is what we'll call this. Um, and, uh, and and brothers and sisters, would you do me a favor, please, 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 please? If you've gotten all the way through this now, please do me a huge favor um, and pray, um, pray for me, pray for Drew, pray for us as we as we endeavor upon this. Pray that um, uh, the Lord would keep and protect us, and uh, uh, and then also. But, and 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 most importantly that as we're studying this um, please understand that that these things are hitting home for me before they ever come out of my mouth and they're convicting me as much as they're probably convicting you um, if not more so um, so pray for us pray for yourselves um, as as we listen to this um, i i want to say i'm looking forward to this but at the same time <laughs> you know my flesh is going this is gonna hurt but good praise the lord for his his mercy filled discipline because i can honestly tell you that john owen's words be killing sin or sin will kill you that's not just some pithy puritan saying it's the truth it's the truth and i think you and i both know from experience how much of a truth it is So thanks so much for listening to this episode of Matter of Theology. Know that we love you. We are praying for you and we will see you on the next one.